So I'm back on the podcast today. I am delighted to have Jared Vandera on the podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host. He is a fighter. He is a father. He is a partner. Are you married, Jared? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm not married, but I'm in a relationship with my longtime girlfriend. We've been together for four and a half years. We own technically a business and a kid. I mean, we might as well be. <laughs> yeah, you've done, you've done everything else? Yeah, it's literally besides the wedding part <laughs> of it. We, you know, we've, we're basically married. Uh, I mean, in three years, by law, we would be considered married. Yeah. So. Well, excellent. I'm, I'm here. UFC debut soon for Jared. He's a father. He's a fighter. He's a partner. We're excited for his upcoming fight. We're going to talk a bit about his career, where he started, how he got there, different ideas on fighting. We're going to put some questions to him that came in from Instagram. So right from the outset, Jared, I want to know, where can any of my listeners find you on social media? Oh, easily. All major platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. But my most common places of activity are TikTok, and Instagram. Excellent. Did you get into TikTok whenever it sort of all kicked off at the start of the pandemic and stuff? I, I actually kind of liked it back, way back when, when it was like musically. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a feeling that this was going to take off. I'm like, this is going to take off. But all I knew was like a bunch of like 12 girls that liked it. I'm like, her, and it was like her, her uh, younger sister was like, involved with it i'm like this is gonna blow up and she's like no it's stupid blah 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 (laughs) by tiktok i'm like this is gonna blow up and sure enough it did and i kind of want to jump on that platform before like because you still got a lot of people my age and older that are like oh it's stupid oh it's this and no it's that but well you're trying to create new fans and you're trying to create different outlets of entertainment i mean i suck at it i'm not gonna lie it's not my shoot, but i mean i'm slowly trying to figure out how to do it better and but i i just know it's a different form i know i'm a little bit more open about certain things that are on my instagram i don't necessarily bring up like it's there but it's kind of like in the background Whereas I'm, I'm more open to say something on TikTok versus Instagram to the fact that I'm more of a public and professional appearance on my Instagram than my TikTok where it's not as professional. I would, for example, I will talk about, I'm not afraid to talk about religion, anything like that, something that might poke the bear. <laughs> On TikTok, where Instagram, it's there in the background, but I don't bring it up too much. And I got more followers on Instagram, and people are sensitive about some of my topics. So do it where I'm not really popular yet. (laughs) Creating controversy. (laughs) Well, right from the outset, I want to talk about maybe 
the MMA scene. Um, when did you discover MMA? How did you get into it? And when did it become maybe a serious thing for you or a serious hobby? Maybe that became a career? Let's let's talk about that. Um, I I kind of seen it floating around, um, like in the early two thousands, which is like this is interesting. This is interesting. This seems fun. But I, I was at the time really interested in football and wrestling. Um, I had my one coach just kill, like, dismantle my love for football. <laughs> well, I was like, you know what? And then my wrestling coach, the fifth officer, was always like, hey, you, you should wrestle. I need big guys. I need big guys. I need big guys. Uh, eventually, I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do martial arts or something. I'm like, wrestling is the closest thing. I always, you know, like for most people, the singlet was the big, oh my god, I don't want to do it because it's gay or something. Like, I heard that all throughout high school. And I, you know what? Fuck it. You know, this is a, this is a tough sport. I got into it and I was just like, oh shit, this is fun. So you get to throw people around, and from there I went on and you know I just wrestled I did pretty good in, uh, for my three years my senior year I, I was told I was supposed to be ranked higher potentially going to stay before I dislocated my shoulder so there was a lot like I really got into the sport after my shoulder uh, recovered I still wrestled but I took a couple of weeks off and then at the time a new gym was opening up in my neighborhood and I just came into some money I was like oh I, I have a bucks so let me just throw it at this and let me try it out and sure enough I got into fighting uh, like the first week I had my Muay Thai instructor like yo we're kicking a thousand times each leg <laughs> and people why I like kicking so much it's just because he looked at me and he looked at my two other coaches and he goes you see those two fuckers over there they both wrestled and they can't throw a fucking kick to save their life I'm changing that with you and sure enough we kicked so damn much the first week I was there like and they were all they were all kind of surprised to see how brutal the Muay Thai instructor was on me but they liked the fact that day in and day out like hundreds and hundreds of kicks I came back in and they're like alright and from there I I kind of immediately knew this was something I was going to run with. Uh, I started literally conforming my life around it I and then I think about six months into about a year of it, I kind of just said, fuck it, let's do this. Let's make a giant run for it. Like, and from it, I mean, I, I, did, I got to the UFC. The UFC isn't my goal. That is step one to the goal. <laughs> and, but I made it here. So, good good throwing it, but it was I put everything in all my eggs in one basket fucking yeah do this it took me about 10 years but yeah you chased the dream yeah it, it just like I, I decided to have no plan B's like everyone's like oh 
what if it fails? What if it fails? What if it fails? And I'm like, well, it's going to fail the moment I start making other choices. Like, if I start, you know, oh, what if it does fail? I need a backup plan. Well, at the time, I didn't have a kid. I had a girlfriend or, like, it didn't matter. I just decided that if she couldn't hang with me, I didn't want her in my life. I was like, I was I was going to cut out people. Hell, I was even homeless to get here. Like, I've been homeless twice getting here. So when I say I gave up everything to get here, and again, I'm still giving up everything to get to the next level, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah, you're absolutely driven, which is very, very clear to see. You know, you've been, you said you're homeless twice. You've gone through, you've jumped through all the hoops. You kept coming back to Muay Thai when you were younger. You went through wrestling. Like, it's probably been a bit of a crazy journey for you, you know, to say the least. And do you think that, like, I think it probably does, but I'm interested in in your perspective. Does, like, your mindset, you must have an incredibly strong mindset as a fighter. And because of maybe what you've been through to get where you are? Would that be right? Uh, hmm. I don't know if it's really incredibly smart, but you. I looked at all the major pinpoints of everything. I'm like, okay, if I give... Basically, it's... Uh, I love the economics. One of the bi- biggest things was there's no free lunch, basically, meaning... No matter what you're going to do, you're going to give up something. And I just took that in consideration to everything I did. I I didn't party. I didn't do any of that stuff. I gave all that stuff up to really just train and get better. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't have fun uh, and, you know, screwed off a few times. But for the most part, it was always back to square one. Um, it, it was just it was one of those things where I just took the co- cost and benefit of everything, and like by like twenty three or twenty four, I'm like, I'm in this way too deep just to like quit now and look for a full time job and expect myself to be happy. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sacrifice everything that led me here. Uh, to do a different job, I'm just, I'm here. So I was like, fuck it, we're gonna just go all in, all in. I did put a time limit. I put it to like round, if I couldn't make to the UFC or, or let's say Bellator or ACA where I was making a decent living by 30, I was going to be like, all right, I had my fun. I was able to explore my world, but I have a family. That now I have to take care of and, you know, like I can't just rely on, oh, I'm going to eventually make it, I'm going to eventually make it. No, I had to be like, okay, we have a time limit at the end. If I can't achieve it by 30, it's not because, oh, I'm not good enough. It's just there are other important things in my life. I have a daughter. I have a girl to take care of. So I, I can't put a cap at 30. And now we're here. Like, I'm now at a point where I'm like, okay, now I can start taking care of my family. Hell, even the Dana White Contender Series, that win alone dramatically helped us because, you know, we own a business. 
So I was able to throw money into it. And, you know, especially us opening during the pandemic, we were like, this is a great idea. Let's open it when everyone's dying of an illness. And let's spread all the germs. <laughs> but, no, it's just, it, that helped out a lot. And now I have another fight. And that's going to help out. I'm just not ready to do taxes next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's let, let's look um, at that contender series fight, for example. Um, like your opponent there, Harry Hunsucker, he had he was in a five match win streak going into that fight. So right away, I want to know how did that fight come about, and when you find out your opponent, are you worried? Are you anxious? Or are you like, no, let's just go? Oh, it, okay, so. I was really stressed going into the fight with my original opponent, Oscar. Like, you know, we, we've been in camp for like 10 weeks for the first bet, and then it was pushed back for like another eight weeks. So I'm like, like, I was literally in camp since like late July. Wow, yeah. So I have literally have not had a time. Like, I've been in camp the last six months uh, type of thing. And um, it, it's just one of those things where I was like, "Damn, dude!" Like, like, like four days before I get a message, like, "Hey, you have a new opponent." And I just told my manager, "It's like I can't really say shit. I can't whine about it. Like, this is the opportunity of my lifetime." I'm like, "Yeah, we're taking it." And then after I took it, I sent it to both my coaches and yeah no immediately those guys were just like excuse me one of them just immediately started like just roasting on them just because this is is a person it's like like he's just just talking trash to kind of line the whole like mood and type of thing but for me it was kind of a relief because I wasn't like in all the videos we watched, it kind of came clear that he doesn't rely on striking, and when he does, he just blitzes and gets tired. We were more concerned about his wrestling, so we are like, all right, let's focus on wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And, you know, we go in there, and uh, immediately, like, we were, me and Jamal were working out, and I felt good in the back. We went, da, 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 da. But like, yeah, I'm blocking all those blitzing punches. Go in the fight, and you know, my hamster fell off his wheel for a couple seconds. I was able to clinch up with him, and then as we broke off, he blitzes him. My head was bouncing off his fist. I would, I would only say a handful actually landed flush, but from like a viewer point, like I. I know what I felt, and I also rewatched the fight, and I'm like, yeah, that looks horrible. That looks very bad. And, but, no, I knew after, like, 90 seconds, two minutes, he's going to start fading. And then, like, 90 seconds, like, if you, like, even look at the timer, it's like, from 90 seconds to two minutes, he starts to fade, and I start to pick it up. And then, in that sense, boom, 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 like a minute later we're on the fence I'm defending a Kimura attempt I take him down and yeah I finished it from there 
Yeah, it was a great finish as well. And there was a, you're obviously delighted um, at the time, you know, when the finish happens and you're ecstatic, you, you've won the Contender Series, you're going on, you know, to UFC 256. And incredible fight too. Like, as you said, like he's coming out and he's throwing just blitzing and bombs and he's big boy. And, you know, as you said, a couple of them caught you flush was there, was there any worry at that stage of like oh if he could knock me out here or were you very very confident like i get past this 90 seconds i'm, I'm good yeah i knew once i get past the 90 seconds this fight was over 90 seconds is two minutes we were like that's all he has i'm like we're good there but i'm like in this 90 seconds he's really dangerous and so i wasn't like oh i'm like okay we could I might try. Like, I'm thinking to myself, keep your hands up, keep your hands. Up. Oh, hands down. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, no, we're really working on that one, and a lot of it. I don't know why. Like, it, it's just that it just happened. Uh, um, I think ever since I started teaching a lot more, I'm showing my students like their mistakes and correcting them. So all that happens. Like, I think I, I'm like unintentionally picking up their mistakes to kind of correct them mm-hmm. and yeah it's not the best not the best that you know whenever those punches are connected with your face so there's your daughter hello <laughs> she's like i'm just waking up <laughs> she wants to be with daddy um yeah. the next the next fight's a big one for you um you were supposed to fight this this guy in the past sergey spivak if, if i'm pronouncing his last name correctly it didn't quite happen it's now happening. It's in the UFC. It's at the f- the first part of your your goal. You're in the UFC. You're fighting against someone you should have probably fought already. Talk to me about this fight. Your thoughts on this one going into it and, and your opponent. Uh, I mean, it was a fight I've been wanting. I like stylistically the matchup. But I think he plays well into my style, but I don't think he's you know an easy night. Oh, you know, I think he's going to be a fight. I think we could, you know, do what we need to do for this fight. And, yeah, no, I really like stylistically, uh, you know, who he is as a person. I'm definitely respecting him on all fronts. And I was surprised how quickly this materialized, too, because, I mean, I called him out. Next day, my manager was like, hey, you got the fight. Friday, I signed the contract. So... It was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I got everything I wanted really quickly. And I know he's been in training camp and stuff like that. So I know he's not. I know he he's active. So it's just it's, it's a fun fight. I, I, I can easily see this going um, either a first round finish all the way to the three, uh, three rounds. So I'm excited for it. Well, talk to me about the call-out, because you called him out, and as you said, the next day you're going, your manager's calling you. You got the fight. The Friday you're signing the contract. When you, when you did call him out, were you expecting to get him as a fight, or were you just expecting to have a fight at that stage? A little bit of both, uh, because I think he had, like, pull out for, like, he's supposed to have a fight, I think, in early October against Ta- uh, Thomas Asplin. I can't say his last name either. Asplin. But he was supposed to have him, uh, but for some reason he had to pull out. Could even been because he had the virus. He uh, and but for the how quick of a turnaround that was, literally like call him out 
and not even 24 hours later have a full response and a fight. I was like, damn, like, this is quick. Well, that's, and, that's what I want to talk to you about because you just had left the Contender Series. You'd just been through. You talked about being in a camp from pretty much July. You just fought Contender Series. You've got another fight coming up. Is it what's your body like a, a mentally are you tired are you fatigued is your body tired or are you just like give it to me and buzzing let's keep going yeah uh, i mean I, well one i think right now the times kind of suck but if you're a fighter that could train and you have a good place to train at this is a good time like you we're catching newer names the new rising stars in the sport because they're capable of training. And you're seeing a lot of people not training as much or not training as often, you know, kind of get pushed down. And you're seeing these new rising stars because they're constantly training. They're constantly getting to the a new spot. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, there's new contenders. There's new names to be known. And so I'm just taking this time to, like, use that to my advantage. I see that. Like, I immediately realized, like, if I could keep my name circulating, people will remember me. And that's part of the game is is entertainment. You have to be well-known. You have to be liked. If you want to have, have more fights, more eyes on you, you've got to keep your name in circulation. And that's one thing I've been doing, and I realized real quick that Having a fight so short is a double-edged sword. You know, I don't get this massive amount of time to really heal up, but I, outside of a few shots, I really came out unscathed. I've had sh shorter fights where I'm in much more pain. And this, I literally had a few slight shots on my face, but nothing... I actually got more fucked up the following week when I got back into sparring for my 170er. So, I mean, I, I, like, not to, like, like my 170er is just a stupid animal. He has punches for days. We call him the butcher for a reason. Um, but, you know, so, but I'm constantly in the gym year-round, too. That, you know, and I'm if I'm not in camp, and, like, my teammates in camp, uh, Sam Alvey, he fights fucking everybody, too. Like, I've been training with him, and then he had camps. He had, like, three or four fights scheduled this year. And so we're like, all right, camp, 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 camp. So, I mean, I'm constantly in a camp for myself or for our teammates. So the turnaround wasn't as dramatic. I was, like, I was hoping to celebrate it a little bit longer. I just took a week off. I was like, all right, we'll have fun until uh, Saturday, maybe a little bit on Sunday, and then Monday back back to work. And what about the actual fights? Would your daughter, would your partner, would your friends, family, would they all watch the fights? Are you, or would you like to say, no, don't let them see it. Let me just fight, and then we'll watch it after. Or what, how does that work for in the mindset of a fighter? Uh, for me, my daughter, my daughter doesn't quite know everything, but because again, she sees me day in and day out. We own a gym. She sees the punching. She sees the kicking. So, so it's not, it's not, it's, un, it's, she's a little numb to it. 
she sees it every day. Um, but my girlfriend, on the other hand, oh my gosh, she, it, she's more anxious than I. Right, like, like she, she's always like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. What, what if this happens? What if that happens? What? I'm like, damn. I'm like, what if it does happen? I'm the one that's going to feel it, not you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great, even with COVID, I play football or, or soccer, and um, I go out to soccer, and, and my wife is like, I'll make sure it's non, non-contact. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> um, you know, you just have all those, like, kind of, like, strange things. It's like, relax, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I've I played soccer. I played, like, uh, you know, I, I actually like it. If it wasn't during wrestling season, I would have played soccer. Yeah. And I never were like, yeah, I got to worry about injuries in that sport. Yeah. Maybe a half or a pull hamstring, but not like, I mean, granted, yes, going shin to shin in soccer sucks. <laughs> but I mean, going shin to shin in Muay Thai sucks just as much. <laughs> No, I totally understand that. It's funny too. Like you've talked about Muay Thai, you've talked about wrestling. Do you have a favorite style that you like to train that you prefer? If, if your coach says, "Hey, today we're going to work on X," and you're like, "Yes, can't wait to get to the gym." No, I like I like all of them. Uh, I mean, I think I do enjoy Muay Thai more, um, but I've I, I like it all. It. Like I'm not the best wrestler, so I'm all, I'm always gonna bitch about it. Like I, I like to complain in the gym. I'll do all I'll do all the hard work. Just bitch while I'm doing. <laughs> I'll say my least favorite thing is lifting. I fucking hate lifting. Like conditioning, I could do for days. So like if they're like, oh, we're gonna just do cardio. Cool. We're doing strength. I'm like fuck. We're gonna, we're gonna be lifting. Like, yo, you know what? Can we just do sprints for the rest of class? That'd be cool. Like, I, I'm like, I hate lifting. Like most heavyweights, yeah, let's lift. I'm like, yo, let's go run. It's it's an interesting thing. I want to talk now, really, about your coaches, about training, about your training partners. You've obviously a bit of a close knit, fun relationship with them, but there's also a serious aspect to it. Is there any? thing um about that relationship you can share with us on the podcast just about in general your relationship with your training partners your coaches that type of thing uh all my coaches and training partners are assholes (laughs) uh oh my god no they are the biggest dicks out there like like they're always the first ones to talk shit and like the hard part is they're not wrong when they do um, like, like Jamal's, I, like, during the, like, when I'm fighting, he's a coach, but normally he's a teammate, and, you know, oh, yeah, they talk so much shit that, like, even though I won, they talk so much shit as if I lost. <laughs> yeah, he won by doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, love you too, assholes. <laughs> It's, it's it, you must enjoy it though you must enjoy the bit of like I don't know we call it back home I'm originally from Northern Ireland living out in Canada now but we call it crack you know where you have a bit of you know slagging with each other and stuff like that you must do you, you enjoy that aspect of it too yeah no like it's a give and take they, they, they give me that bullshit and I turn around and give it to them too 
uh, it's definitely one of those things where it's like we obviously know that like they do care about me. We just bust each other's balls. And yeah, and like, but it's one of those things where if they started saying, oh, you did good, you did good, oh, you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing. If they start like kind of kissing my ass, I'm going to be the first person to be like, ah, you need to back up, homie. Like, you're not helping out right now. Because if you got people busting your balls or something about you need to do things better, you know, you're always going to have that drive to do something better. But if you have people like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're looking good, bro. You're looking good. You're looking good. You're going to do this. No one's going to stop you. Then you get this big old head like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm 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 the best in the world. And then you get head kicked in one of the biggest selling box offices and because you thought you were good at striking. Yeah. No one. It's literally, I, I, literally what happened with the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, the first fight. You know um, what I mean? Or Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah, true. Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey as well, yeah. Yeah, no, like, when she started saying that she was the best striker in the world, I was like, can't we just watch Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey too? Was it, the only reason why Misha lost was she decided to shoot because of her pride, because Ronda Rousey was getting lit off her ass on the feet, especially in, the, I think, round three it was. I was just, I was so pissed at Misha. I was like, you should have just kept boxing. You would have killed her there. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, actually. I want to bring up something about Ronda Rousey that I noticed, especially in that fight is, is one that you've pointed out, the Misha Tate fight, but also the Holly Holm fight and the Amanda Nunes fight. Her corner was telling her to stand up and to, to strike and to trade. And from your perspective as a fighter, have you ever had that where maybe you've been given a bit of advice and I'm not asking you to maybe say anything against your teammates or your coaching or whatever but have you ever been maybe given a bit of advice where you're thinking I don't know if that's right or not because I, I always thought that, that that advice given to Ronda specifically in those fights I just thought it was crazy the no uh, because like I said mine are uh, assholes so if I'm losing on the feet they're like yo shoot take it <laughs> oh, you, you're losing well, then, like I said, I don't want people like, oh, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> like, the moment, like I said, once I get around people that are, like, yes men to, like, I can do no wrong type of thing, I'm cutting them out. I don't need people to be like, oh, you're like, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'll use Sam. Sam, smiling Sam, uh, good guy. You know, he's not the guy that's going to sit there and be like, oh, you're unstoppable. You, you. No, but he will be like, hey, good practice today. You know, even if, like, I felt like my rounds were bad, he goes, no, no, you, you did this good. You felt the flow move nicely. You're looking sharp. You're looking good in the overall vibe. I'm like, okay, that I'm fine with. But Sam's not like, oh, you're striking so superb. Oh, those takedowns are amazing. Oh, your grappling is on par with Gordon Ryan. No, he's he's not like that. He's, he's like, hey, you know, we did, you know, you were, looked very well. I had, to, I'm always guess, second guessing myself. I had, you know, I was worried a lot. Okay, that that doesn't, you know, that is, it's 
you know, critiquing me in a positive manner. My other coaches, yeah, they're dicks and they'll critique me in a negative manner. But I'm fine with that. You know, like, neither group are like, oh, you're perfect. Oh, you're striking this. They're always like, hey, you know, you're good here. Let's get it better. You know, it's like, you know, maybe when I'm like, my stand-up's as good as Rico Verhoeven's. My wrestling it was maybe good as Alexander uh, Krillin. And if my jiu-jitsu is good as Goran Ryan's, at that point, they could be like, oh, yeah, you're the best in the world. But until then, I'm, I'm neither three – I'm not even close to any three of those men that I just named. And I'm going to keep getting closer and closer until I'm those three men – once I become those three men, try to, you know, do even more with it. Well, let, let's talk about that because you said earlier your, your your original goal was to get to the UFC. You've made it to the UFC. You want to take care of your family. You want to um, help with the business and stuff like that. Where and maybe this heavyweight division, you're looking at the heavyweight division. You're probably excited to get going in it. Um, your fight's up in a couple of weeks. What's your general thoughts on the heavyweight division going forward? Uh, it's not the biggest weight class, but it's not necessarily the weakest weight class either. Like, I don't, I like, outside of the power factor, you take away everyone can knock out anyone in a given day factor, boom. I think anyone skill-wise from, like, the low ends of the heavyweight division to even the top five, any given day, that order could be mixed up pretty easily. I say, like, again, take out the power factor and just put in skill factor. I think with the heavyweight division, it's a little bit more tight and inch than people are giving it. Now, once you start getting in the top five, it becomes a little bit more tighter. But even then, not by much. I think the heavyweight division isn't the deepest, but it has enough people where it keeps people on their toes. I, I mean, think of it this way. Tai Tuvasa, we'll use him, for example, lost to my current opponent, just beat Stefan Strude, but Stefan Strude KO'd the heavyweight champion. So, I mean, clearly the there's the... The level there isn't far-fetched from each other. Like, you know, you're not going to get one person's skill level that's here and then champions all the way up here. It's like all right around here. And one, one piece of advice I was given really, really young in my MMA career is do not turn pro until you think you could beat the champion. And, like, at first it's like, oh, like, he goes, if you take your ego out of it and you honestly think that you could go toe-to-toe with it, with the champion or not be scared to take on the champion and not win by a lucky punch, but you could win, let's say, on the scorecards, that's when you should turn pro. He goes, because a lot of people just like, oh, I could turn pro and... But then they're like, oh, I'm scared of a UFC fighter. So if you're scared of a UFC fighter, don't turn pro. 
And at that time, I was tra- I had a few training partners that were in the UFC. I had, to, you know, I think at the time when I turned pro, I, I was messing with some of these UFC fighters. I'm like, you know what? I'm not scared of these guys. I'm hanging with them. I, I can do this. And when I turned pro, I was like, yeah, screw this. I'm like, I can easily hang with these guys. And I think I get to show that come December 12th. Looks, it's exciting times. Like all guns are blazing for December twelfth, I know, and that's where, where we're focused on, and that's where you're focused on as well. Um, you've given us your thoughts on the heavyweight division, and I did ask for some questions from Instagram for different people to ask things. So one of the questions was, um, in your opinion, who does who should Stipe fight next, and if you could pick who he fought next, who would you pick? Oh, it has to be Francis. The dude's been putting in work. Uh, if let's say something happened to Francis, uh, the next option would be the winner of Curse Blades or Derek Lewis. So as a backup to Francis's fight, uh, just in case again like COVID or something happens to Francis, I would say the winner of Derek Lewis or Curse Blades should have the next one. Though I would like to see Curtis Blades fight Stipe. Way more than I would like to see Francis and Stipe. But that's just ideally what I would like to see. But uh, Francis has earned this shot, hands down. Yeah, and another question sort of similarly to that is if John Jones does come to heavyweight, should he and will he fight right away for the title? He has an argument for sure. But the only the only argument or the only thing I would really say is all the heavyweights that went to heavyweight or all the light heavyweights that became heavyweights, only one of them has won. And that was DC. And in in all fairness, he originally was a heavyweight first. Like, he did 10 fights as a heavyweight. And then he went to light heavyweight. So, even then, that's that's kind of an asterisk to the only win. Because you got uh, John Vellante, Latifi, you got Gustafson, uh, OSP. There's been a few other heavyweights that have gone, light heavyweights that have gone heavyweights and lost. Now... If anyone has a claim to the sh- uh, the title shot, immediately John Jones does have a huge, like, hey, I want a title shot. And I think he kind of get it. But he has to wait in line for Francis. I'm sorry, but Francis has put in way too much work and has done too much work to be ignored. And... And that's just one of those things where I think John Jones should take on like the winner of Derek Lewis or Chris Blades because at that point he should kind of remain active and see how he does against one of those two guys. Because I mean, I think Curtis Blades would be the hardest fight for John Jones. And I think Stipe would be in uh the second hardest, and then Francis 
would be the third. And then, just for the hell of it, I would put Derek Lewis in it because that'd be one hell of a funny fight to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, certainly a unique character, Derek Lewis, and someone I think that any MMA fan really, really gravitates towards and likes, just based on the personality alone. Um, agree with what you've said there about Francis. Um, I think he's it's he's been too good. He's improved so much and just been on a tear that you can't ignore him. And I think he he has to be next. I wouldn't say he's gotten better. I just think he realizes that if he blitzes with his power, he's going to win. <laughs> yeah, he can't tire him out if he knocks you out in the first 20 seconds. Yeah, because that's what he does. He, he's like, oh, you're going to touch me? Bam! <laughs> so I definitely think he's he has that power factor that no one else in the heavyweight division has. Absolutely. Um, another couple of questions for you. Um, one of these questions was submitted, and it was, I believe that Jared's an anime fan. Does he have a favorite anime show, movie, series? Yes, I am. Um, favorite current anime I've been watching, or season four, is, I think, are been done for a while. Waiting for season five is uh, High School DXD, or D&D. That's uh, one of my favorite ones. Um, it's one of those animes you watch for the plot line, but you actually stay for the plot line. <laughs> uh, uh, it's one of my favorite, and I'm a big person to cult, so that definitely drew me in. Um, but I'd say one of my other like vastly favorites are uh, Gundam and Bandred. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm a big anime fan. I build gun gun plaz i have at least four or like at least 35 i'm looking at right now like i got like a shelf filled with them. what about um another question favorite hp lovecraft story Ooh, uh this one's hard um the one i'm reading right now is oh my god i totally forgot the name of this i like i'm not not i'm I, I oh my god I draw a blank on it. <laughs> okay. Oh the rat uh, the rats in the walls, right? I think I think the rats in the walls or something like that. Yeah, that's the one I'm reading right now. <laughs> a little slow on it. I'm a slow reader, but that's the one I'm reading right now. I think it's the rats in the walls. Yeah. Based on those two questions, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you like to do for fun? If you if you had a week off from training, a week off from MMA, if I said, hey, let's let's go do something, what what do you want to do? Um, if I do something, it's either watch TV, uh, anime, or play video games. And again, all of them kind of revolve in the cult. Are like my favorite television television show is Lucifer. Uh been loving the last season but like because I've been so busy I'm I'm not I'm only like three episodes deep in this season watching anime building Gundams or playing if I'm playing video games my favorite series is the Persona series and again they delve too deep in the cult and outside of that I'm usually reading or you know I'm a bit messing with my tarot cards again trying to get that up to par again so yeah 
Yeah. So, I mean, you like sort of just, just chilling out as well and maybe switching off a little bit from all the craziness of the MMA world? Yeah, like, I, I don't do really clubs or or anything like that. I'm not a big going out person. Because I used to bounce and, honestly, it got to a point where, like, I just, you know, I got to bars and clubs of just working there. And it came to a point where it's just, like, Every bar, it's like new faces, but same people. That's how I see it. I can literally look in the crowd. And I'm like, you're this person. You're that person. You're this person. And, you know, it's just like, if I know the type of people I'm going to meet at a bar, like five seconds into the bar, what, why do I need to be there? That's like bar, club. It's like, that scene's never been for me. Yeah. I just rather stay home. I was like, if I have a friend or two that will come and kick him, watch it, and, you know, do some old school, you know, split screen fucking action bit next to each other, I'm always down for that. Uh, just going out and partying so much, it's not necessarily my thing. Yeah. It's nice to get out of the house and do every, like, something out and blue moon, but you won't. If you catch me at a club, Life has gone down <laughs> the hill for like, like, like outside of like, like a like, even big parties. I, I I do I like to do that with like Lauren, my girlfriend, and stuff. Like we'll go out, you know, we'll we'll go to like one of my where where like I used to work and see all my friends there. But yeah, you're not going to see me like. In club dancing like boots boots. No, <laughs> we want to save everyone the embarrassment and just avoid that. Fair enough. Well, another couple of questions just to wrap it up for you. Don't want to keep you all day, but um, back to an MMA question. How does training change in the lead up to a fight? The week of the fight, what what diff what changes do you make in your training regimen? Uh, I, honestly, uh, it it just. We're tightening up the things. I'm tightening up everything that is uh, for this camp. Let's say if I'm going against a good grappler, I want to make sure my grappling is firing. But if I'm going against a good striker, you know, make sure my striking is on point. Making sure my cardio for all three uh, things, like for striking, clinch work, on the fence, and on the ground. Is all up to part because I need to be able to fire on all three cylinders and go, go, go. And so all that stuff is very important for me to make sure I'm up part, up and part on that. And that's maybe the only thing I'm really focusing on during my camp. And then outside of camp, it's just, okay. Like I said, this year I've been in camp for the last six months, or like five months predominantly. Granted, I I, took, I I binged hard early on in this quarantine though, so the first couple like the first month or so it was me just trying to drop weight. <laughs> uh, yeah, because like I told because I knew we were opening up a gym and we didn't know how long it was before we opened. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this time off. I hadn't had time off really in the last five six years. Or like any real time off, so I stayed home for a couple months, you know, spent time with my daughter, 
Uh, I got to spend time with her mother a lot more, you know. And then we were like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, like, once we started going, we went hard. And but I put on a lot of weight. I was close to 300 pounds. So now I've dropped down to, like, 270. And I'm trying to drop even more for this fight. Last fight, I weighed in at 263, but that was a lot from water weight from sauna the night prior. But this time, I'm, you know, I'm on my diet trying to lose it now. Um, so, because my team, uh, Jamal, he's trying to do the contender series, and he wants to be on point. So he's like, yo, motherfucker, you better be on weight. Because <laughs> I'm using the sauna when we go back to Vegas. I'm like, that would be the only difference, I think, for for me at least. I know other people, completely different story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, final question for you, just to wrap things up. Every, every, every We're all looking forward to December 12th, and it's the big one, UFC 256, your upcoming fight. And final, final question for you is what can we expect to see from you in that fight? Oh, me not doing this so much. <laughs> Uh, that's the biggest thing. Uh, I'm honestly, I'm expecting way better performance out of me than the Harry Hunsucker fight. I think uh, Sergey is going to bring out the best in me, and I know, like I said, UFC was just a stepping stone to the goal. I want to get the championship, um, and I want to get in the top ten, top fifteen. Uh, when I can, I I'm not I'm in no rush to get there. I like to fight, so I'll take any and all comers, and you know make my way to uh, to the heavyweight championship, and then fight people there, and eventually retire. <laughs> Well, it's been my absolute pleasure to chat to you this morning about your career in MMA and the upcoming fight and everything. And for, from all of us here and the guys that helped me with the editing and stuff, I just want to say congratulations again on the Contender Series win and good luck. And we look forward to sitting in the house, the group of us, and watching the fight on December 12th. And we wish you the best of luck and enjoy the rest of your day, Jared. And thanks once again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for tolerating my daughter's craziness <laughs> not a problem at all it's our absolute pleasure and it looks like she really wants to spend time with you so i will leave you alone now and um have a great rest of your day have a great saturday and we'll look forward to seeing you fight soon thank you for listening to the podcast with me your host darren please follow us on instagram and twitter at the podcast thanks for your time stay safe and tune in next time <laughs>